welcome to the Microsoft Spotlight podcast. Today we are joined by Kamar Davis. Got that right? Yeah, great. Really worried about pronunciations today after we just spoke about five minutes off air. Um, worried about pronunciations. Um, just want to say a quick shout out to our sponsors, BitTitan. Check out BitTitan.com today. Um, so you can check out how to move your stuff from A to B in the clouds. Andrew, do you want to say hello to our guest today? We are joined by Kimar today, um, who works at Microsoft. So um, you want to introduce yourself, Kimar, and basically go from there? Sure. So thank you, Andrew. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm quite excited to be here today. So Kimar, as we said before, so I've been at Microsoft for the last four years. Um, my role is to look after our UK early in career recruitment. So when we think about our apprentices, our interns, our graduates, that comes all through our office. And um, I've been kind of doing this for the last eight years across banking and technology. And what it essentially means is that I set the strategy for how we hire and select and attract people, but also with a big focus on how we make sure that we have diverse people coming into Microsoft. Um, for a long time, I've been interested in diversity. I think that's because I'm a black woman. So most of the rooms that I'll be the only one. So I'm really passionate about making sure that everybody has opportunities and we work to find people from underrepresented communities. Um, and quite excited about educating colleagues, peers, hiring managers, basically anyone who will listen on the different types of talent that we can have coming into our industry. Awesome. So how's, um, obviously, with, obviously, I, mean, I, I come from an apprentice background. So how did it work during, obviously, the COVID times? Um, obviously, getting apprentices in, getting work in, all that kind of stuff. That was fun. So <laughs> I've been at FTE at Microsoft for the last two years. So I actually started as a contractor. My first year going FTE 2020, February 2020. So they were like, yeah, we've got 50 or 60 apprentices to come into the business. And then COVID came and it just all went bananas. So thinking about how do we virtually recruit all of those apprentices, but also how do we make sure that they're onboarded like successfully into the business? So it's quite challenging, but we've worked with several partners to support bringing in different people. And then I think you've probably spoken to Becky King, who leads on the UK apprenticeships. They had a very sort of robust onboarding process to support them coming in and kind of thriving in the business. So challenging, but very rewarding because we did get lots of different people. I think what was quite interesting in COVID was just seeing the different types of applications. Typically, when we think about apprentices, we think about school leavers. But at that time, you'd obviously had a lot of apprentices who were displaced from current apprenticeships. You had lots of people who were on furlough. So what we had there was just different types of talent, so career changes, um, graduates even who we typically see applying for our graduate program we're trying to get onto apprenticeship so we had a massive influx like huge huge volumes that's teetered down i would say in the last two years so again i think we're going back to like a candidate driven market yeah yeah i mean that's something i found um within covid is that um i've, I've helped mentor um a friend of mine um literally since the beginning of COVID where he was on furlough. Um, he worked as a, um, a salesman for stationery and obviously no one needed stationery for the past two years and um, that, that the market just died com um, completely. 
Um, so it's like I've, I've been really good with IT, and I, I know you you, you work, um, you're you're a consultant, etc. Um, how can I get into it? So you know, I've I, I put him on the path of Microsoft certifications and Microsoft Learn and and, and stuff like that, and and now he's um, he's he's working second line as a cloud as a cloud engineer, like a, a couple of years later. So it's crazy, like how like. People, it doesn't matter, as you said, from school age or above. I think he's um, early thirties. Like, just career change is, is something that's that's kind of um, happened quite a bit in the past couple of years. And obviously, the IT market is, is still is still growing every single day. So I think it's it's become a bit more attractive to to people who weren't in it before. Yeah, definitely had different types of talent. <laughs> I remember we had somebody who was running a gym. They were set to open up a new gym. Obviously, nobody was going to the gym during COVID, so like they had to think differently about their careers. We've had teachers who decided they want to just specialise in something new. I think that that is the beauty of apprenticeships, that it opens up opportunities for kind of everyone. So in the last couple of years, I've sort of shifted more focus towards that area. So I think that's a great way also to get diverse talent into the organisation. And your apprenticeship roles are they just technical roles or are they um, are they kind of anything within Microsoft across the whole business, which is pretty cool actually. So everything from marketing to operations to kind of hardcore software engineers. So data, which is obviously huge right now. So whatever you want, we always say that there's like a place for you. Nice, that's nice. Yeah, Andrew, you're on mute. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I mean, I've got a lot of time. For obviously, you know, coming from an apprentice background, obviously having to work through um, many different organisations and watching other apprentices basically grow as well. Um, I mean, I've actually been to apprentice companies in like the Birmingham area and basically spoke about IT and where I come from to help, you know, inspire obviously the next generation of first, second, third line engineers just to. Know, give them experience of you know, what I've done to basically get into the position I'm in. So, you know, I've, it's something I'll probably continue doing because I enjoy, you know, public speaking. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of time for apprenticeship programs. Yeah, super important. I think, yeah, and outside of kind of what my day job is, I also sit on our senior leadership team for our Embrace Networks. So that's for our Black, Asian, minority, ethnic employees. So I look after our skills for the UK. And that mission that we've got kind of feeds into the wider Microsoft mission, where we're trying to raise aspirations and kind of educate the underrepresented communities to help support them into careers in technology and just make technology basically more accessible for all. So done a lot of work there thinking about how do we reach more, I guess, experienced talent, which is sometimes forgotten a bit about when we do a lot of work in the early and career space. Yeah, I bet, I bet. But I um, just want to kind of go back a little bit um, on, on yourself. Um, you, you left school and then you kind of went into, was it recruitment, HR kind of always like your, your first kind of um, first thing you looked to? Oh, I've got a little bit of a squiggly career, I'd probably say. So I went to university, I did accounting and finance. So if you're so I'm of African heritage, there's like four or five different career paths that you've got. So my parent or my dad particularly was like lawyer, doctor, accountant, everything else just wasn't a career. So I went and did accounting and finance. I hated it. 
I was like, right, as soon as I get out of here, I don't want to do anything in finance. But I came out in 2008 during the financial crash. So for me, I just needed a job. So I started to work in um, retail banking. I started off in Halifax and worked my way up from sort of a cashier to a customer manager and then decided I wanted to be in HR and just got told lots of no's. And then one of the things that I kept seeing was like, you need to have your CIPD. So I went back. Well, not went back, I was still working. So I'd studied and worked at the same time, which was really hard. So I've got a lot of empathy for apprentices having to study and work at the same time. Um, and by the time I finished that, I managed to move into our head office. So working for Lloyd's Banking Group. And that's when I started an early in career recruitment. So since then, worked at Lloyd's for about a year and a half, then went over to Accenture, went to the Bank of England, and then finally, finally kind of landed in technology. So I always say, like, if I do any talks to any students, I always say, like, it's never too late to go and do some additional studying if that's the thing that you want to do. Um, but it is challenging, but it's totally worth it. Like, I'm glad that I did it now. Yeah, as, as I said to you just before the call, my wife done the COAPD, so I can, I can completely emphasise what you had to go through to kind of pass that. A lot of um, work outside of work, and I'm, I'm guessing you self-funded it as well. So, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of money. <laughs> I, like, I can't, yeah, I can't get this wrong. Like, it's cost too much. Yeah. But then being outside of study, like, I think it was like five years after I finished my degree, and I couldn't even remember how to write like a, an essay properly. I had to yeah. get my friends to like read through it, and they're like, "This is this is rubbish, basically." Yeah. So, yeah, well, a lot of relearning. My wife never went to university, so um, in terms of kind of writing a thesis and all of that type of stuff that you have to do, she just didn't have a clue at the beginning of it. So it took a lot of learning, like that side of things as well, which is mad. But you went on to Accenture as well, so um, a, a tech company. So you went kind of um, bank to tech kind of. How did you kind of feel like the, the difference in dynamics within um, tech company and, and banking? Banking's a really interesting place. I think it wasn't personally for me, and that's because... I was always the only one in the room, whether that's the only woman, the only person of colour. And like Lloyd's was probably better at it than other places that I've worked, just in a sense of we had really great leadership who were really infused about diversity. So that was very important. But I found that kind of year after year, we were hiring lots of the same people. We were going to the same schools, same types of people coming through the process. So I wanted to try something new. When I was at Accenture, I worked specifically on software engineering program programs, and that was my first taster of tech. And what I could see there is that we were just taking lots of different people. It didn't really matter what university you came from. What was really important was the skills that they had. Mm -hmm. So that allowed us to kind of look for different types of talent. Lots of challenges, I would say, like software engineering, heavily male dominated. So like doing a lot of work to try and um, encourage like females into technology but Accenture you know an organization with big budgets big kind of goals around diversity so they would pump a lot into making sure that we were getting kind of more female talent into the industry so from there I know I went to back to banking but I was like after being in banking again I was like now I want to go back to tech again so it's only there for a year wasn't you yes <laughs> so kind of what happened like See, growing up and stuff, um, you said that you only, you, you, your parents, or your dad um, specifically said you've only got these um, career options. Kind of what kind of the the, the, <laughs> the young girl at secondary school, what's, what stopped you from looking at IT? Was there anything in general? Was it the stigma behind it? 
went to like, I mean, I was in school in like 1997. There was like half a half a GCSE, I think, in computing. And if I rightly remember, it was like sending some emails via kind of Hotmail. Um, yeah, learning how to use Hotmail a bit, maybe learning how to use Excel and Word. It just wasn't, there, there was no talk of like what an actual career in technology could look like. We certainly weren't learning how to code. We did do a little bit of, um, I want to say access during my finance and accounting. And yeah. I was just like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like I, it totally just went over my head. But if I think back now, when, you know, in sixth form, when we had the opportunity to go to like a careers fair, for example, there was nobody there talking about what careers in technology could look like. You know, I remember our careers fair being about careers in like the police, um, being a doctor, being like just very standard sorts of careers. So I think we do a little bit better at it now, but I think there's still a lot more to do. But we need to help people understand like all the different versions of careers there are in technology. Like it doesn't, you don't have to just be a software engineer. Like you can work in UX, like and helping people to understand what that is. And then also just in kind of layman's terms, when I think about what was probably important to me, this is not all um school kids but at like 15 16 if someone had told me that i could go to a technology organization and lots of money i could live a certain lifestyle that probably would have encouraged me more <laughs> to think about careers like if you think about what's really important at that time yeah, yeah. and loads of money i want to be rich like that's the sort of thing that some young people aspire to which i probably did so if i'd have known that a career in technology could give me some of that I probably would have done a little bit more research to understand like what the careers were. Yeah, 100%, I get what you mean. Um, I, I, I think we, all three of us kind of went to school roughly roughly the same time. So um, in, in terms of IT, I, didn't, I don't think I had a GCSE in, in computers at that time or ICT, whatever it was called back then. Um, See, when I was at secondary school, it was IT with business. So they joined the two um, topics together and yeah. I did well on the IT side, the business side. I got my, now. I got a really low GCSE. I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna put hand in heart. I mean, my GCSEs were terrible at school. <laughs> the only thing, the only thing that I, I kind of like pride myself on, I got F for French. I thought, you know, F French, you know, that kind of matches up. But everything, else, most of my GCSEs were just terrible. So, you know, that's why I went down the the, the route of being an apprentice because I'm much more a hands-on person. I rather you know, learn on the job, and that's what basically I pride my whole career on. And I think that's another really good point that when I was in like sixth form, there really nobody came to speak to us about apprenticeships and different avenues to learn. Had I known that I could go off and do an apprenticeship in an organisation, I probably would have. But because I was at sixth form, we were very much pushed down the university route. So and that like that lecture style, like it doesn't speak to everyone. I went to university, realised that I didn't have to turn up to all of my lectures. And I'm not saying that anybody should do this. I'm just saying that that was my experience. But realised that a lot of the onus was on me now. No one was going to do a register and see if I turned up. So I didn't probably approach university as um, studiously as I, I, as I could have. Yeah, yeah. university is something I never wanted to uh, approach. As soon as I finished school, I went straight to college, did an IT uh, course at college, 
it's probably one of the worst courses I've ever done in my life. And then just went straight into an apprenticeship and then just, yeah, started working in a private hospital doing IT support for like, you know, bedside patients because working in a private hospital, you know, high end paying customers. And one of the things that I always used to see being from the Birmingham area and the hospital being used, basically all the Birmingham city players coming in and they wanted their laptops connected to the internet and being an Aston Villa fan as well, me going into their bedrooms, just like after having a giggle to myself at the same time, like, you're injured, you can't play against us. Now, I, I enjoyed that time working at the hospital. You know, it was very much a, a a path that basically put me on the, you know, the right, the right direction. Because also I had a very, um, you know, a very well-respected um, manager that I basically had a lot of time for. Nice. So you're, you've you've gone from there now, now, and you're at Microsoft now um, and you're working as an early careers recruitment lead. Um, can you tell us kind of what Microsoft do? I, I know Microsoft do a lot more above and beyond to get like new um, new people in and 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 uh, new apprenticeship people and people in. Kind of what do they do? Kind of that nobody else really does. I think what I've seen here versus in another, like even when I talk to some of my friends, there's a lot of stuff that we do within our employee resource groups. So a lot of the diversity things and the attraction is like, I guess we've got half and half. I've got what I do in my day job and then we've got all of the different things like how we work with partners. So if I speak to Embrace and women at Microsoft, I partner with them on a few kind of activities per year to try and reach some of those harder to reach groups. So I've done work with the women at Microsoft group and other partners like Higher STEM who focus on females in um, doing STEM related degrees, but also from an ethnic minorities perspective um, to run insight events. I think Microsoft is very good in a sense that personally, so I guess DNI, how do I explain this? So DNI, is everybody's responsibility here, which is different in some other organisations where you almost have like a centre of excellence. So people see it as their own mission to go out and evangelise about our programmes. Um, lots of people here, I get emails on emails of people going back to their schools or their like their children's schools to talk about the different opportunities that we have. So it's almost like an extension of our team in terms of and with attraction. I wouldn't say. I've worked in other places where I think that they might do some a bit better, if I'm being like totally honest. I think we've got a little bit of a way to go in terms of resource, and that's both people and budget, to really reach some of those harder to reach communities. But I do think, going back to my point, that because it belongs to all of us, we tend to do a lot of work ourselves to kind of make it happen. That's probably the difference. Yeah, I mean, I think you're a great example yourself. Um, I, I noticed you're from from um, East London. You know, not not the, the most like uh, um, wealthy um, area. Um, I was only there yesterday. <laughs> and, trying to um, say about East London. <laughs> no, but in general, like London itself, South East London. I'm from Woolwich myself. Like, um, so that these these areas and stuff like that. Like, it's it's not the best. You don't get the the, the right opportunities. And I think kind of like. Um, you in in that position, um, the position that you are in now, like you're you're a great person to be able to stand up and say, look, I've been there, done that, and look, I, I'm I'm black, I'm from like um, a, a place in London where we don't get these type of opportunities and stuff. So I think like yeah, you're very good, 
it'd be a very good um, spokesperson um, and someone to, to, for people to look up to as well. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that goes to the point around, like Microsoft people like to give back. So we will quite often go out and do those talks. Like I did some work in the job centre. Um, I'm actually, so I live in East London now, but I'm actually originally some from North London, Islington, not not the nice bit, right? So like still the, the not so nice. <laughs> there's, only like, there's only like three nice roads in Islington, right? <laughs> Like there's more than three nice right, uh, square around there and that's about it really yeah I, i'm definitely not from 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 that bit <laughs> but yeah i think it's really important that people see like it's that people like me when before i came to work at microsoft i didn't think that i would ever get to be here just because of where i am from so i that's why i find it really important to make sure that we give back so day one at microsoft when you walked in that door did you see people like you? And that instantly like, you know, made you feel more comfortable working in that environment? No. So just being brutally honest. So my day one, I used to work, so building to um, Thames Valley Park before we had the refurb. Um, and apart from, so it's me and the CFO, quite often the only black people in that whole building. Um, as I started to be in the office a little bit more, I would see some more people sort of dotted around, but nowhere near kind of like what I thought that it might be. The one thing I will say about Microsoft, though, is that you might not find people that look exactly like you in the organisation, but everybody has so much difference. Like, I think we are hired because we are quite different. different. So then that creates that kind of sense of belonging. So although I might not look exactly like everyone in my team, there's some sort of diversity in some aspect. So I definitely felt kind of the inclusion piece more so than what I found in other places. I think we're further along than when, like when I first joined, but I still think in terms of actual representation from like an ethnicity perspective, we've still got a bit of a way to go. Do you know um, Trisha Sinclair at all? No. I, I highly recommend you you speak to Trisha Sinclair. Um, she was I don't know where we are in terms of our, our episode order. But Pre previous we, episode, previous episode. It's a previous episode, <laughs> like, um, and um, I think you should like just reach out to her. I think she'll be like a fantastic connection for you. She's um, she's founded um, something called the Power Platform School, where she um, gets. Um, people um, from black backgrounds into um, working on power platforms and. I yeah, it's, 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 you sound like um, it would be a really good connection. So definitely, definitely recommend reach out to Trisha Sinclair. Thank you. If you haven't listened to that episode, go and listen to that as well. Yes, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. And if you need to build them subscribers on YouTube, come on, help us out. Sir. But yeah, I mean, so I've, I've got a lot of time for, you know, helping, supporting, you know, diverse backgrounds. And as I've mentioned many times before, I'm from a diverse background. So I see the challenges in my own family, you know, them trying to do different careers. So yeah, anything that can help and support that, I'm 100% for. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, when I went to Redmond as well, just walking around the campus, you can actually see um, people I could relate to there as well. Because even from like just going to the, the canteen area um, in Redmond, you can see all the different types of foods that are basically available. It wasn't just one set type of food. It was basically for all different 
cultures and all different from all around the world. So you know, I think Microsoft do do a very good job of it. Um, obviously, in Redmond, it's probably a lot easier because you know, it is the, the hub of the world for Microsoft. And obviously, it's only going to follow suit in other countries as you know things keep progressing. And also the fact that you know Microsoft is led now by you know Satya, you know, helps that fact as well. Making me hungry now, um, Andrew. Like I'd, I'd I'd like that that canteen no matter what. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, you may be hungry one, one episode before, so I had a bacon sandwich on earlier. So you know. All right. <laughs> I think in terms of like that sense of belonging, like the Embrace Network has done amazingly to create like a community of people. So when I first started, it's probably like about ten or eleven people, mainly sort of run by interns. And like now, I just checked earlier on, we've got like six hundred people plus, like in the Embrace ERG allies plus people from like multiple backgrounds and that's that's another thing that's like really helped me I guess in being here like creating that sense of community but then I also work in a global team so I've got lots of people from lots of different places that I work alongside I just don't get to see them that often because they're based in lots of different places. So um also, I'm just looking at your, your LinkedIn profile. You was a CRN, CRN finalist for, for being like a role model. How did that come about? Yeah, so actually someone at Microsoft nominated me. So the CRN Women in Channel Awards. So I was nominated for two awards. So forgive me because I can't remember the other one because I was only shortlisted for one of them. So shortlisted for the role model of the year, which was... Like it's a bit of a pinch me moment because you, you get this email that's like, oh, you've been like nominated. And I, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was spam. Um, <laughs> like, it was like this dodgy email being like, you should like click here and find out more. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I should just like press the button that says I'm being fished. So um, I went into it and then, yeah, I saw my name there. It was just like crazy to be um, recognized for like the work that you do that you kind of just do as your day-to-day because -day, it's like really important to you but you're not expecting any accolades for it um and then yeah we got to go along as a group to the CRN Women in Channel Awards which was pretty nice to be with all of these amazing women in uh, one room and I didn't win I was shortlisted which was pretty cool yeah considering yeah, Matt yeah that's an amazing achievement in itself yeah, I was like super, super stoked. And there's a few, like Microsoft is very good, I'd say, at like giving recognition, the work that you're doing, even if you don't ask for it. So I was really lucky. I won the Black Excellence Award at Microsoft last year, um, which was, again, like, oh, my God. Like, again, someone put time in my diary. You know, when someone puts like a 15 minute in, you're like, oh, I'm so busy. Leave me alone. Like, what, what do you need? And then, like... I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll speak to you later. I'll speak to you later. They're like, no, I want to speak to you now. And I was like, okay, this can't be urgent. And then they told me, um, and that was amazing, like uh -huh. actually amazing. So that those are like pinch me moments, but yeah. But you're happy you spoke to them now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I, I did sort of kick myself afterwards and stuff like, have time for people, be patient, you know, you never know what's going to come out of a conversation. Yeah, sure. So with that award then, the, uh, the Black Excellence then, is that something that Microsoft run internally um, every yeah. year? 
it was the first year that we'd done it. So we ran it through the Embrace ERG um, during Black History Month. And then everyone from the network just got an opportunity to vote for whoever they wanted to vote for. Um, and then I was told that like I, I won by a landslide, which was uh, pretty cool. Felt quite proud of myself. So and did that focus purely on UK employees? Or was that a, a global thing as well? No, so the Embrace ERG is a UK thing. So yeah, it was based on our UK employees. Is, is there a, a global award? No, I think probably because across the, I guess, across the globe, there's different versions of like the ERGs. So if you think um, US has got kind of blacks at Microsoft, um, the UK is like black Asian minority ethnic, and then some of the other places in Europe don't actually have any ERGs or it's like kind of all together. And it's, it's also dependent on what your visibility is globally, right? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Is that what so, the increase above your head is right now? The um, the is that part of the the? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually in some of these pictures somewhere. Um, we did a lot of stuff like so. Do you know what the embrace? I would recommend everyone at Microsoft just to be a member. I have learned so much about different people's cultures. You know, we had yesterday we had a cook along for uh, for Chinese Lunar New Year, and um, learned how to make dumplings. Mm -hmm. I'm going to attempt it over the weekend. It's either going to be a disaster or amazing. I'll let you know. Um, but also like festivals like Diwali, like just you name it, Ramadan, Hanukkah. Like we've got to see all of the ways that our different colleagues like celebrate those moments. And then I guess there's kind of like the celebratory piece and there's like skills. So what we do externally to support other people, there's a huge mentoring program that's running through the Embrace ERG. So at the moment we're mentoring like 230 kids externally. Um, I've run like technical training days with, um, uh, marketing and operations teams, supporting people to get certifications in like Azure fundamentals and what have you. Power Platform is also in there. Um, we've also got like a monthly skill session running to help people understand the different careers in tech that we're doing in collaboration with Reactor Space. There's things that we do with the partners. So it's pretty huge. Like it's really gotten legs in the last couple of years. So what's the day-to-day the -day look like for you? We spoke about a lot about kind of what you do like in general and, 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 and the stuff that you're on, but what's the day-to-day -day for you at the moment? It's always a good question for people at Microsoft. Like, well, what is the day-to-day? -day? So I tell you, like yesterday, for example, we were in a hiring event, so bringing the new generation of talent into Microsoft, which is pretty cool. So we were hiring for technical specialists, so we were with the STU all day looking for four or five interns. Um, I'm also doing a lot of work at the moment with, so on the apprenticeships, because we've got our FY23 apprentice recruitment campaign coming, we're partnering with an organisation called Get My First Job, who we used last year as recruitment partners. So we're just running through kind of all of the different activities that we're going to do to attract more apprentices into the business. So we had some meetings about that typical sort of team meetings, catching up on sort of where we are with different projects. I also had a meeting about some of the activities that we're doing within Embrace. So I guess typical kind of Microsoft day is quite a lot of meetings. Um, I think we can all agree on that one, spend a lot of time on the phone. Um, through sort of September to, I'm gonna say forever, but we'll say May, a lot of it is hiring events 
bringing in either aspires, interns or apprentices, depending on what campaign we're working on. Nice. So, do you have any active campaigns now that you're running? Sorry? Any key active campaigns running now that people could be aware of? I would say the next big one is going to be the apprentice campaign. So we're running an insight series, which is going to be really cool to try and reach some underrepresented groups. So we're running it to try and reach people who identify as care leavers, women or those who identify as women who are interested in careers in technology, people from a black heritage and people also from a lower socioeconomic background. It's going to be a week long of activities that are running so virtually, helping people to understand Microsoft as an organisation, helping people to understand what our culture is and what culture actually means, because I appreciate that if you know, you've worked in retail, your definition of culture versus our definition of culture is going to be quite different. Um, helping people to understand what the apprenticeship offer is, so the different types of roles that we've got, our apprentices are going to come and talk about their experience, the different, um, and then how you get into Microsoft. So, so we're asking someone to run, so to help with like the softer skills. So things like storytelling, which is super important to Microsoft, but actually super important in terms of having like employability. And then also we want to ask our partners to come in and talk about the opportunities that they have we recognize that not everybody is going to be placed at Microsoft but our partners have got some fantastic opportunities for them to work there and so they're going to talk about their apprenticeship offers too with a view to helping us like um, recruit more diverse talent through the apprenticeship program so that's live actually so you can go on to the get my first job site and have a look at that insight opportunities and just sign up great opportunity if you're interested in apprenticeships and even if it's not with microsoft in the end because we're running all of those softer skill sessions will help you with any sort of job that you're looking for after i mean definitely soft skills are, are massively important um we, we, we're gonna have a guest on um, in the near future uh, miri rodriguez and she works as a senior storyteller for microsoft over at corp and like, she's written books on storytelling and basically uh, her career so i, I think Things like that, obviously, that help build people up in a professional aspect. It doesn't have to be around like, technical aspects of like, you know, working in IT. It's all the, like, the softer bits, so, you know, how to present, how to like, do public speaking, how to prepare yourself for meetings, all them kind of things that are like, very key to being successful in any kind of uh, position. And then, yeah, there is an opportunity afterwards to join. So QA, who are one of our learning partners, to join um, their digital skills boot camps. So it's okay. not just, yeah, so it won't just be the soft side. It will also be the technical skills. Yeah, I know QA quite well as a, as a customer and also being a person that's basically been there doing courses as well. Yeah. yeah. So what's next for you then? What, what what do you aspire to kind of be is it within Microsoft and 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 what's how's what's the next step in your journey? Well, can I say it here? So I did mention to Andy that actually I am moving on from Microsoft soon. So my last day is very soon. Um, I go off to work with another organisation focusing a little bit more on their apprenticeships. So staying sort of within the early in career space. If I think about my aspirations, I think it's quite dreamy that we should all dream, right, is for the tech industry just to be as collaborative as possible. Um, so how do we start to upskill the UK as a whole 
rather than thinking about what does Microsoft do over here versus what does another organisation do over there? How do we do some of the combined efforts to just help the UK? Like when I think about all the people that are underrepresented, we've got a huge opportunity to be able to go into schools as a group. Like how powerful is it to have, I don't know, Microsoft, Google, AWS, Facebook, whatever it is, four different people talking about their different careers to a group of like school children versus just Microsoft people. Yeah, so like my dream is to, to collaborate more across the industry. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've spoken before many times. I think, you know, it's important to basically get into schools, speak to children at an early age for, you know, potentially having careers in IT. Because I say, people think, you know, IT is just basically what, what me and John do, it's all the technical stuff, but obviously there's all the other, you know, careers and paths that obviously, you know, people can do. Um, and we've shown that on this podcast with all the different people we've had on from Microsoft who are either technical or non-technical. You know, there's so many roles out there and they will work for, you know, one of the biggest IT companies in the world. So obviously, um, you touched on that basically you've been leaving Microsoft um, to, you know, for another future career. Is that still working in tech then? And as you said, and still going to be doing very much similar what you're doing at Microsoft, but you know, for a different partner. I mean, what, what are the, you know, I think you might, be, you might be at that job when this podcast goes out. <laughs> yeah, possibly, yeah. I mean, so what, what is the, the, the long-term future for yourself, you know? Because we've all got probably, you know, a lot of working years ahead of us. So what is the, the long-term future? Don't remind me, please. I know, uh, I, I, I keep working out every, every day. It's like, yeah, I've got another, another 30 years of working life ahead of me. You know? 35 I've got, or 34, let me not lie about my age. Um, yeah. So, yeah, as I mentioned, so it's another tech company, one of the big four. So looking after, so more focused on the apprenticeship space. So at Microsoft, it's sort of been all early in career. So interns, grads, this will be heavily focused on not just apprenticeships, but also how we support or well, using the apprenticeships to support kind of people returning to work, career changes a little bit more. So kind of capture, capturing as many people as we can. Long term, what would I love to do? Like I said, so I would like to support that collaboration across the whole tech industry. I would like to advise on how we recruit more diverse people into industry because I feel as an industry, we have got a very long way to go. There's some organisations that do it well, but there's there's some others that have got a journey ahead of them. And I would like to be kind of that go-to person that has those conversations um, and more, I guess, in a consultative space. I love early in careers, like it's something I'm super passionate about, but I realise that there's lots of other people who we need to be supported into careers. So I'd like to kind of broaden that a bit more, which is what I'm going to be doing, I guess, in my current role. But yeah, ideally, I would like to sit on a board and talk to people and advise them about their hiring practices around DNI. i I'm very much all for apprenticeships and basically getting more people into, you know, IT roles. That's why, you know, me and John talk about it quite a lot on this podcast. Yeah, about getting different people in and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just really important in general to to open up the the IT industry for everybody, and then and trying to get we try to get different ideas on here, don't we, Andrew? Like on 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 what 
what needs to be done better and, and stuff like that. But maybe I need to do a bit more myself rather than just ask the question. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking exactly the same. It's like, you know, we both work for large organisations. Maybe we should get more involved in, you know, that, that whole process. I know Fujitsu do a lot of work with um, talent coming into the business. You know, maybe I should get more involved in helping that helping that process out and basically speaking in front of a room of people and going, no, this is my career path. It's been very colourful. I've had, you know, I've had some horrible companies I work for, I've had some great companies I work for. But you know, ultimately I'm in, you know, quite a privileged position now because I've worked hard and done everything that was needed I needed to do to give myself the lifestyle that I wanted. I think there's stuff you can do in and out of Microsoft. So, you know, the the communities of early in career we have would like love to hear from both of you about your careers at Microsoft because they can relate, right? So there's some easier things that you can do just like that. There's some harder things, like I guess like that maybe not harder, but more time consuming. If I think, you know, talking about the Embrace mentoring program, we've got mentors from across the whole business. It's like signing up to do that. That's six months with someone from an underrepresented community, speaking to them an hour a month, basically, about all things career. So I think we can all do little things that add up and make a huge impact. And then I think, when I think like women, we need to just work out, yeah, how do we get more people involved in like the communities and what they're doing in tech her to run some of the skilling sessions. But then I also realised that people at Microsoft are very, very busy. Like we all have very, very busy days. Day so trying to work out how you can fit in. So yeah, so um, yeah, I think basically we come to the like, the natural closing point of most podcasts today. Um, yeah, so you know, thank you for joining us today and obviously sharing your experience of working in tech from uh, you know getting younger people in early careers into Microsoft and you know, giving them that 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 first step in the the IT careers. You know, you know, interesting. I say like you know, for me, my takeaway for me is I probably need to go do more within my own business to try and help earning career people to come into Fujitsu. So I think that's what I'm going to go and have a look at in a moment once I've come off this call. Thank you very so, much for having me. I've enjoyed it. No worries, Lovely thank you. Take care. Right, see you all next soon on the next episode. Thank you very much. Right, thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Microsoft Spotlight podcast. Please make sure you hit that like, share, and subscribe button to help us promote our message. You can also follow us on Twitter at MSFT Spotlight, and we're also on LinkedIn, the Microsoft Spotlight podcast. And finally, we'd like to tell you a little bit about Big Titan and thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Remote migrations start here. Let MigrationWiz do the work for you. It's fast, secure, and 100% SaaS, which means you can migrate at any time and from anywhere. Migrate mailboxes, documents, public folders, personal archives, or even Microsoft Teams with just a few clicks. No special training needed and no customer downtime. When the work matters, Choose Migration Wiz.